adventure. We need more of it. But if you dig around in your personal history, you'll probably will discover that you've had a few along the way. In this exciting episode of The Eclectic Monk, I and my compatriots are going to share with you, without interrupting one another, some of the greatest adventures of our lives. Don't touch that dial. This is going to be worth it. So I, I guess I'll go first, guys. Um, the story I want to share is a true story. I swear to you, this this really happened. I've, I've shared this story before, but a good story is always worth sharing again. I was uh, I was much younger than I am today. I was hanging out with a friend of mine, and uh, he and I tended to, uh, shall we say, encourage one another to make poor decisions. It just always kind of worked out that way. But we were hiking along uh, the Chattahoochee River one one afternoon, and uh, we came up to this area called the Palisades. The Palisades are a series of, of cliffs, and we were watching these guys rappel down this sheer 50-foot cliff. They were, you know, they had their ropes and their, their, uh, helmets and, uh, you know, their pittons and all those, you know, things, equipment, and they're uh, just, you know, gliding down and then climbing back up. And, man, this looks so cool. And we sat there and watched these guys for a while, and they they finished up, and uh, they pulled all their equipment up, and they 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 wandered off. And uh, and so me and my friend were standing there, and we were looking up at this cliff. And as we were standing there, I said, um, you know, I think we could climb that cliff. And he, he looked at it for a few minutes and, and he said, you know, I think you're right. I think we, we can climb that cliff. And so there we are um, in our, our late teens with no equipment, with no experience, <laughs> And with no backup plan, and we proceed to start going up this sheer rock face. Again, it's about 50 feet tall. It's a long way to fall. And we began going up, and of course, you know, you find a handhold, and you find a foothold, and you push up and find another handhold, and you go up. And I was I was going up first, and he was right behind me, and we started heading up this thing. And you res- you discover that there's a point when you're climbing something like this that you get to where it's it's much easier to keep going up than it is to try to go down because um, going back the way you came is really really not an option. <clears throat> and um, so we, you know, are about twenty five feet in the air, hanging off the side of this sheer rock cliff with, again, no ropes, no safety equipment of any kind, and really no idea what we were doing. But we pressed on, 
and um, another handhold, another foothold, push up a little bit further up, another handhold, another foothold, and we got to about ten feet from the the top of of the cliff, and that's that's when we realized the mistake that we had made. Because if you know anything about cliffs, what you realize is that usually the lip, the top of that cliff, extends out a little bit. So what you have to do to get up to the top is to kind of hang on, lean out, grab hold, and have the upper body strength to basically dangle free in the air and pull yourself up and onto the top. Well... I'm just going to be honest, at, at that age, I was not, I was not working out. I, um, I was not a, a specimen of, you know, fit male humanity. I, I was living off of cigarettes and Doritos, um, <clears throat> and had been known to <clears throat> consume, um, a wide variety of, um, um, recreational materials put it that way anyway i was not in shape at all and by this time about 40 feet up this thing hanging on with your arms and your legs uh your fingertips you know we were both pretty gassed and uh the idea of having to reach backwards hanging by one hand and a toe to grab hold of what you hoped was going to be solid something and then pull yourself up over that lip, it just was not going to happen. So there we are. And I looked over across the side, you know, horizontally about 10 feet or so. And, and fortunately, there was this little tree that had at some point, a seed had fallen into a crack in the side of this cliff, had sprouted, grown, and there was this little tree growing out of the side of this rock face. And so like Spider-Man, we kind of made our way sideways, crab ways, across to this tree, having no idea whether it was strong enough to hold our weight, you know, was it going to grab it and just fall right out or, or what, but it was really our only hope at that point. And, um, and so we got over and, and I grabbed hold and fortunately it, it held. And having that tree hanging out, giving us more like a, a ladder step, we were able to kind of push up on that, put a foot on it and then get on up to the top of the cliff. And obviously I, I lived to tell the tale because, um, I'm talking about it, but I can say looking back on that moment, it was one of the most exhilarating feelings I've ever had of having conquered the cliff. Once it was over and we were up on the top smoking cigarettes and laughing, um, it was great. But I'd be lying if I said there weren't moments in the middle of that where we were um, pretty sure we were going to die. And maybe that's what makes an adventure an adventure. It's the risk. It's the, the unknown. All I can say is that I'm glad 
that we climbed that cliff. I'm glad that I have the memory and the experience, but I've never done it again and would never dream of trying it and really hope that my grandson never gives it a shot. It was an incredibly stupid and dangerous thing to do, but we made it. And that's a great story now. So there, Lonnie, top that. Are you aging? Of course you are. Your feet hurt, your ankles swell, your knees pop, your backs hurt. Does your neck occasionally feel like someone stabbed you with an ice pick? You need a pill! Pharmacology experts at Astrophosica have a pill for you. We Scrooge up. This once-a-day medication is guaranteed to make you feel different. So don't delay. Make an appointment with your doctor or pharmacist today and ask them if We Scrooge up is right for you. I'm betting it is. Side effects include intestinal bloating, loss of vision, loss of hearing, loss of taste, loss of memory, loss of sensation in your extremities, pain in the extremities, erupting blisters on your extremities, painful urination, acetic regurgitation, uncontrollable flashlights, bleeding from the ears, eyes, nose, and genitals, painful rectal itching, anal seepage, inflammation in every joint, sensitive nipples, reduced lung capacity, excruciating nerve pain in unpredictable places, vomiting, diarrhea, excessive snot production, boils, depression, and a total collapse of all internal organs that leads to death. You need a pill. We've got a pill. We Scrooge up, and it's FDA approved. Don't be a pansy. Take the pill. Astrofarsica assumes no liability for this product. Take only as directed. What kind of crazy advertisers have you come up with, cuz? That is some weird stuff. Well, here, hold my beer. Let me tell you about one of the craziest things that ever happened to me. Again, this here's a true story. I am not making this up. This happened just the way I am going to relate it to you. I swear this occurred. I was driving... In a early 90s model Ford Econoline van with rear wheel drive. It did not have four wheel drive. It did not have front wheel drive. It had rear wheel drive and it had pretty much nothing in it. It was empty, which means that the traction on the rear axle was minimal. But it's very important to understand. Now, as I was driving this particular day, I was in a place called Fairmount, Georgia. Fairmount, Georgia is a wide spot in the road on Highway 411, somewhere between Cartersville and Chatsworth. If you know where that's at, then you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know where that's at, just imagine a little bitty town in the middle of nowhere with nothing going on. But it's a place you got to go through to get to the place that you're trying to get to, which is what I was trying to do. So I had gone there to Fairmount in my Ford Econoline van. I had turned right on Georgia Highway 53, heading my way over toward Pickens County. 
And as I was driving around 53, there's a series of curves that you hit on that road. And then you get up to this point and uh, there is no passing lanes. This is just a little country highway at this point in the road. And I came through the series of curves and there in the middle of Highway 53 was a log truck that had jackknifed and turned over and spilt logs all over the road. Now, <clears throat> this was a long time before GPS existed. There was not much in the way of mappage for this particular part of Gordon County that I was driving in, this being in the early 1990s. So, <clears throat> I happened to know, and I had a, a map of sorts, it was not a good map. It was not a detailed map, but it was a map of sorts of the area, and I pulled it out, and I began looking for an alternate route, some way to quickly and efficiently get around the dumbass who had dumped logs all over Highway 53. Excuse my language. But I found this little road that ran off to the left, and then it looked like it just went up and circled back around, kind of made a little loop there, circled back around, and then came back out on the other side, about a mile up the road from where I was at. It looks like it's about a three-mile detour on the map. And I figured a three-mile detour was going to beat the heck out of turning around, going all the way back to Fairmount, hanging a left, going all the way back up to Rydle, turning left, going all the way over to Waleska and turning left and going all the way back over to Jasper, Georgia, where I was trying to get to when I was already most of the way there. But there was an idiot who had dumped logs all over Highway 53. So, in my early 90s model Ford Econoline van, I turned around. I went and I found this little side road. I turned on it. And I started driving up it. And it was a perfectly good road. It was, I mean, it was not like the Taj Mahal of roads. This was not a, a like smoothly paved road. This was a little country road in a country place in the middle of nowhere at a time when there was a lot of that going on. But the road was paved and it was, you know, relatively flat and smooth and it was fine. It was the kind of pavement, of course, that didn't have lines in the middle of it or nothing like that. It was just, you know, a dirt road that got paved but I was driving on, it was fine. As I was driving up this road, the road turned to dirt. Now again, this part of the country, this part of the time, you know, the, this time, this era of the early 1990s, it was not unusual in this region to run into a dirt road. I was not afraid of dirt roads. I've been driving on dirt roads all my life. I know how to drive on a dirt road. I am not afraid of them. And you shouldn't be, there is nothing to it. But, I'm driving down the dirt road and feel you kind of get that sense that you're making that bend that you're expecting to make, right? I'm, I'm expecting this road to kind of go up and then kind of curve to the right and then kind of make its way, meander back on around to the right and come back out, out on the highway. And that's, that's what, I was, what I was expecting. Of course, the thing about dirt roads is they kind of squirrely. And this one just kept getting narrower, 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 narrower narrower. Is that a word? It got tighter and tighter. It just got thinner and thinner. You know what I mean? It was squeezing me a little bit. There was not room but for one vehicle to ride down this particular dirt road. 
which was fine. Now, I've been on a lot of skinny dirt roads. It wasn't bothering me. The road was fine. It was a little bumpy, but it was okay until it started getting kind of rutted out. Now, if you don't understand what that means, that means that that the dirt roads in Georgia are basically red clay roads, and there are times that we have torrential rainstorms here, and it will occasionally wash out a big gully in the middle of the road. And usually where that is is right down the center. So you got you got a place to put both sets of tires, but you got this, you know, two-foot gap in the middle that's right you're riding over. You're kind of straddling this uh this chasm, as it were. Well, that's a little nerve-wracking, but I was okay. I could do this. The problem is, too, as the road gets gets more and more narrow, as it as it closes in on you, you begin running out of options to turn around. Especially when you got a, excuse me, about a two foot gully in the middle of the road. So this road just got tighter and tighter. The gully and the road itself starts getting rougher and rougher. And then, I kid you not, the road kind of ended. Now, I pulled out the map where the road ended because there's nowhere for me to turn around. And what the road ended into was a dry, creek bed. Let me say that again. What this dirt road had turned into was a dry creek bed. It was a series of boulders and sandy places. There was no water. Thank God there was no water running down the creek. It was a dry creek bed. It's exactly what it was, I swear to you. And here I am, now, this is, again, there's no cell phones. There's no radio connectivity. There is nothing. I am alone in the middle of nowheres on what had started out as a perfectly good road and has now turned into a dry creek bed. And my early 90s model rear-wheel drive with no weight in the back 40 Conaline van and no place to turn around. So what do you do? This is the adventurous part right here, Reggie. What you got to do is press on and hope for the best. I eased the van into the creek bed, hoping, because again, my map said this thing was going to circle around and be another road. I just wasn't expecting it to be a road that only Jeeps were supposed to drive on. Slowly made my way down this creek bed from rock to rock, aiming for the highest, smoothest, straightest spots I could, praying to the good Lord that I did not drop a wheel into some kind of gully and get myself stuck because there was no way in hell they were going to get a tow truck up in here. After I had walked however many miles I had to walk, fighting off however many wild beasts I had to fight off to get to somebody that had a phone who would let me use the phone to call somebody to help me. I was in the middle of nowhere, and I was alone. And I drove down the creek bed, bouncing, 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 until I got about probably half a mile, if I was just going to guess, Time kind of stretched out. You know, when you're getting into something like this, time just kind of stretches out. And I was in the moment just trying not to get myself stuck or get myself killed. 
And fortunately, like the map said, I got to a point where the road started. I, I came off the creek bed and, and back onto the dirt, and I praised Jesus that I had survived the creek bed part. And I kept going, and the dirt road wind up a little bit, and then it turned paved. And sure enough, about an hour and 45 minutes later, I come out on Highway 53, and I'm pretty sure that the logs had been cleaned up. I could have just sat there and waited, and it would have been just fine. But I would not have had that particular adventure. And I'm telling you, you think I'm making it up, but it really, really happened. I can take you and show you the road. There. Better than climbing some dumb cliff. Bunch of idiots. Reggie, you're next. <clears throat> well, well, Lonnie, thank you, and I would uh, appreciate it if you would um, tend to my beverage. I uh, recount you with a particular adventure. <laughs> Truly adventurous adventure. Now, I could bore you with the details of sleeping in a mud hut filled with bats and a remote village in the dark land of Haiti. But I won't. Or I could recount for you a harrowing tale of being lost in a rather unsavory neighborhood in St. Louis, Missouri, late at night. But I won't. Instead, what I shall endeavor to recount in this episode is a, a moment of personal fear, an eventual triumph that occurred while I was working as a common delivery man. That's right, I, Reginald Pithcock, have worked as a common delivery man. I have nothing but the deepest respect for anyone who is driving trucks, walking up driveways, knocking on doors. You never know what you're going to walk into. On this particular day, I was delivering a package to a particular person who I was quite familiar with. <clears throat> and this person had a particularly aggressive black dog. The dog was chained a collar and a chain to a tree in the front yard and I was able to walk past the dog who was snarling, barking and generally threatening to rip my throat out <clears throat> but was fortunately stopped by the chain uh, I've passed the dog many times I was aware of the dog and so I was uh, prepared for the dog. What I wasn't prepared for on this particular day was the fact that the dog had <clears throat> broken the chain. As you see, instead of the dog stopping when he ran and lunged towards me as I walked up the driveway, the dog kept coming. He kept coming. With snarling drool flying out of his 
vicious jowls, red eyes glaring at me in total hatred for humanity. And I stood there with nothing in my hand but an aluminum clipboard and a letter. That's right. I was standing in the middle of the driveway with an aluminum clipboard and a cardboard letter. There was no way to turn around and run. Had I turned, I would have been attacked, run down, mauled, possibly killed. And these things flash through your mind in a second. You calculate the odds. You look at the triangulation of where you are, where you need to be, and what has to happen for that to happen, and you realize that there is no chance. Running is not an option. This is adventure. As you stare death in the face, death in the form of a snarling, vengeful, evil, black dog who runs at you, doesn't waver, is determined to attack you. Absolutely, the dog is going to attack you. There's nothing to do. And so I planted my feet. I pulled out my trusty clipboard, which was the only weapon I had besides a ballpoint pen. I know you'd think a ballpoint pen's a sharp edge. You could poke it into the dog's eye, pierce its brain, and kill it. But it's not quite as simple as that. The dog is moving, you see. The dog is vicious. One false move. You're in its jaws. It's got your arm. It's got your leg. It's got your throat. Nope. I knew my only chance was to smite the dog with the clipboard. Now what you've heard all your life is if you hit a dog in the nose as hard as you can with a clipboard or any other blunt object, the dog will suffer great pain. The dog will turn and run away. He will... He will go cower. And so, as the dog lunged towards me, I took that clipboard and I hit that dog in the face as hard as I could possibly hit it. And that dog came back. And I hit him again. And he snarled and came back. And I hit him again. And he lunged at me a third time, and I hit him again. And by this time, as I'm holding the clipboard on the right corner, the aluminum is beginning to bend and fold around my knuckles. I was hitting this dog so hard, I was bending the clipboard. He came back. Struck him again. And I'm not saying that I'm hitting the dog gently. No, I am hitting the dog as hard as I can. I am expecting at many at any moment this dog is going to drop dead. And he didn't. He just kept lunging at me, standing in the driveway. 
I don't know what would have happened if the owner of the dog had not heard the commotion, opened her door, stepped outside, and immediately turned ghostly white, screamed bloody murder, and came running out, yelling at the dog, who continued to lunge at me, and I continued to hit as hard as I could. I was doing everything I could to kill this dog. And the owner of the dog rushed out, grabbed the broken chain, drug the dog back, threw him into the house. As I stood there, collecting my wits, peeling the clipboard off of my hand, the woman, profusely apologetic, of course, Ask if I was all right. And I looked her dead in the eye and I said, I'm fine. Would you please sign line 12? Which she gladly did. And I got into my delivery vehicle and began driving away, made it as far as the stop sign. And there, the adrenaline dumped and I put my vehicle in park and shook violently for several minutes. But I know what violence is. I know what death looks like. I am a survivor. And that, that is a great adventure. You never know When you will have to react. Only know how you'll react. There you go. Three adventures. Two drunken idiots climbing a cliff. Whatever. A moron driving down a creek. Good job, Lonnie. And a man facing death straight in the face. You choose which adventure would you like to experience. There you go. Till next time, travel well. Enjoy your journey. Look out. You never know what happens next. And may you be richly blessed along the way. Give me back my beer, Lottie. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a, have a great day. So I really, really do appreciate you listening to the podcast. And I appreciate you sharing it on social media or just by word of mouth. Appreciate you following it, liking it, rating it if possible on whatever outlet that you're enjoying it on. And appreciate all the encouragement that I've gotten along the way. The nine of you still inspire me. And I really, really thank you all from the very bottom of my heart. So again, till we meet again, God bless. Thanks.